Aloha. It's Wednesday, October the 27th, 2021. Welcome to What Now America? I'm Tim Apicelli, your host. And today's title is Facebook Papers, Will Congress Break Them Up? Uh, back in um, February of 2019, the Pew Research Organization, uh, which is a renowned polling research entity, uh, estimated that 54% of Americans get their news from social media, either sometimes or often. And their social media platform of choice is Facebook. Now let's overlay the testimony from uh, Francine Haugen in front of Congress and in, in this week, most recently in the United Kingdom. And basically what his, she has testified with thousands of papers from Facebook, internal documents, is that Facebook as a profit model, a profit scheme, uh, takes a well-meaning audience and takes a uh, mainstream audience on the internet and pushes them to the extremes of different messages, messages that polarize Americans. And again, the more polarization, the more clicks, the more clicks, the more views, the more views, that's where advertisers like to put their ads. Uh, it's all about viewership. So guess what? Extremism, misinformation, and polarization has worked out quite well for Facebook, and it seems to be a profit model, which leads us to our question, will Congress do something about it? And here to discuss that is Jay Fidel, Winston Welch, and Cynthia Sinclair. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Tim. Serious times and serious uh, topics. Jay, uh, how does Congress begin to scratch the surface of either regulating or breaking up uh, a huge company like Facebook? Specifically, how do they regulate an algorithm or how do they begin to try to um, limit content if they do? Well, the first thing they do is they understand what's, what's going on. They understand what, what the algorithm is. They're not going to be able to regulate it very well unless they understand it. And algorithms are not easy to understand. You have to, you know, sort of uh, de de decompress them and look at the individual coding, which is going to be proprietary. Um, so it's not easy. But Amy Klobuchar is the chair of the committee that's looking into this. And she swears she's going to do something about it. She swears she's going to do some serious regulation here somehow. You know, a year or two ago, when Congress looked into what was going on in the big tech companies, they got nowhere because they didn't understand and their staffers didn't understand and they never really, you know, drafted any bills. But now I think it's different. They've had some time to study it. They've had a lot of press about it lately. Um, and I think Amy will do something. But to go to the bottom line of your question, okay, this is going to have to go through the Senate. Remember them? And they always vote in self-interest. So let's see. Zuckerberg and Facebook likes division. Well, the Republicans like division. Zuckerberg and Facebook did some awful things in the elections, uh, various elections, including the Brexit election, and believe it or not, the Haiti election years ago, um, that didn't do them any, any good. And, and arguably, maybe more than arguably, maybe there's some evidence, you know, from Haugen and the like, 
um, that uh, Facebook was doing stuff in the, the 2016 election and the 2020 election. And it was wrong. It was not just dividing the country. It was, it was pushing voters one way or the other, which is hideous and horrendous in a democracy. And they haven't fixed it. They haven't spent the time, money, resources to fix it. They've been too busy raking in the coins. Okay, so, so now you ask, you must ask what the Republicans are going to do. And they're going to do it as a block. They're going to say, hmm, we like what happened with Cambridge Analytica. We like division. We, we, we prey on that. We enjoy that. That is mainstream for us. We want that. Do you think for a moment they're going to vote to regulate or dismember Facebook I don't have to answer. So is Amy Klobuchar, is she kind of in fantasy land when she says she believes she has bipartisan support for a bill that is either going to uh, look into uh, Facebook as a monopoly or look into uh, restricting content and or um, the algorithms? Ask Mitch McConnell. I don't, I don't think this bipartisan support that's going to carry the United States Senate, which is completely dysfunctional. Okay. Uh, Winston, I'm going to read a quote from uh, Mark Zuckerberg that responded to the most recent uh, trove of documents that have come to light in the media. And here's his quote. Good faith criticism helps us get better. But my view is we are seeing a coordinated effort to selectively leak documents and paint a false picture of our company. Is Mark Zuckerberg, the right person to have in front of the camera and, and, and address this serious hole in the boat, uh, this public relations nightmare that they're now dealing with? Is he the right guy? Because um, I hear a lot of people say he may know things on the technical basis, but he is not these should not be in front of a camera. He comes off uh, as insincere and at times snarky. And um, what are they going to do about it? Is he the right guy? the main shareholder of, of he is the main shareholder yeah, yeah. Well, what's what's his shareholding this is very important because it, the question has arisen as to whether he should be ceo if he controls the board he can stay as ceo if he doesn't the board can get rid of him what's his shareholding i don't know the answer to that question but uh he is you know it's interesting to watch this sort of we've had after Cambridge Analytica you would have thought that there would have been a whole bunch of, of changes that came down the pike but uh, we have ceded so much control you know people worry about the mainstream media you know Fox that's all true but when we ourselves now of course our our you know the our cable provider is knowing every time we flip the channel too and i'm sure they sell that information wherever they can um you know google knows everything that we search if you if you if you go into your where you've been setting whoa they know exactly where you were how long you were there they put every picture in person together um every every query you ever made uh and and to extricate yourself from this is extremely difficult uh amazon same thing but 
when you go to Amazon, you think, oh, what, what, what was that gadget that I bought? I wanted another one. What was that tea that I bought? You know, you go in your purchase history and you see you bought that. So we've, we've traded this convenience for and laziness. But as far as Facebook goes and the specific algorithms that they have used designed to divide the public, designed to foment animosity, it does need to be regulated. I don't think we need an act of Congress for this. I don't think we should expect one. We have something called the Department of Justice, last time I checked, and there are laws that they can probably go back to, to the, the big oil trusts when they broke that up and said, this is an antitrust plain and simple. These people have too much control over too much information, uh, information being the product. You are the product, in fact. And so when you have a tiny handful of companies and when Instagram owns uh, is owned by Facebook, that's even that's even more uh, uh, insidious because it, it just dives right into to whatever you're doing. They're collecting every click. They're selling it. They're manipulating us still, um, no matter what they say. He goes before Congress. He looks like boy wonder still. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm totally to blame for this. Has anything changed? I don't think so. And uh, as far as to Jay's point, if I were a Republican or a Democrat, who knows what Zuckerberg is? Maybe he'll he, he's his job. Remember, is to make money for his shareholders. But as far as the Republicans go, they don't know when that click is. They always talk about the anti. Um, uh, Republican bias in tech. So what's to keep them from thinking that Facebook next time around wouldn't be much more so? Uh, okay. I want to I go back to his quote, uh, if I may, Winston. I want to go back to his quote because he said, this is a coordinated effort to selectively leak documents. Uh, in, in, in Zuckerberg's mind, who's coordinating this? Is this some um, proactive attack on Facebook? Is that what he's trying to imply? And then, of course, he's saying it's a false picture of our company. So out of a thousand uh, documents that seem to be pretty damning, um, how could that possibly be false? Uh, is this a bad PR um, uh, statement that he's put out? Or is this further just you know, amplified that he's incapable of addressing the problem? Maybe both. I, just because someone says something doesn't make it true. Uh, and he says, oh, look, they're so mean to us. Oh, that, that lady's so mean. She left the company and she's exposing what oh, we we did something bad a couple years ago, but we're not doing it. Everybody knows Facebook is still doing it. Google is still doing it. Uh, you remember their old motto? Um, don't be evil. I think their 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 new motto is um, make money at all costs or something. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but and we're all part of it and we're too small to even barely have control over clicking off the the buttons go just google any article on how to how to uh, reset your privacy settings on amazon facebook google it's exhausting to go through everything and if you don't get every single one of your little gadgets that you use it's still collecting and it's even collecting when it says it's not it's not collecting or it's collecting in ways that we don't even know or understand it does take the department of justice it may take an act of congress jay just to be fair but um, I'm not expecting a lot out of the Congress. So Department of Justice, they go in with some antitrust technology or- Well, I think Amy Klobuchar uh, cited the FTC as the, the agency that would handle that task. And I think they are, but um, okay. Let me move on to Cynthia here. Cynthia, I want you to tell me what you think is the most egregious aspect that's come to light from these papers and the most egregious uh, policy or procedure 
that Facebook is conducting because, you know, it's not just about polarizing Americans. It's also about um, uh, the kids, you know, and they're, they're, you know, the things that the kids are tuning in on. And even kids under 13 are getting into Facebook, even though there's a 13 age uh, age limit, they're still getting in. And so there's content that could be potentially uh, harmful and, and, and not helpful. Uh, Cynthia, in your opinion, what, what is the most uh, egregious thing that Facebook's up to? Oh gosh, well, it's hard to pick one specific thing because there are so many. Right now, out of the um, Facebook papers, as they're calling them, uh, there are eight complaints to the SEC about misleading investors, misleading the public. When it comes to the kids, I believe that we are going to keep this bipartisan sort of um, approach to dealing with Facebook until they get to the hate speech. We'll keep that when it's talking about the kids because everybody wants to protect the kids. But I'm, I, I'm along the same lines as Jay that um, once they start attacking hate speech, it's really going to curtail the ability for the Republicans to spread misinformation like they have been. And that's gonna you know, attack their personal uh, way of doing things in, in politics. So I think they're let gonna- me interrupt, Let me interrupt that point. You said, when they start attacking hate speech, is they meaning government agencies? Yeah, well, yeah, when the investigation starts to go after that and not mm -hmm. going after what's happening with the children. I have an example that I think speaks to uh, the egregious nature of Facebook period end. First off, Facebook is used by more than 3.6 billion people worldwide. That's how huge it is. Now, from the papers, we got this one, one of the things that has been um, stated by, by Hagen, the former uh, Facebook product manager. She left in May and she took a lot of the documents with her. And that has become what we now call the Facebook papers. And, and it's important to remember though, there was a second whistleblower that came out on Friday and we don't really know what they're saying yet. But this was the, this was the specific thing that I took out. Vietnam, okay, told Facebook that if they didn't curtail their anti-government posts, they would get kicked out of the country. So did they say, well, no, we're not going to you know, um, do that. We're going to do whatever we want. No, they didn't want to get kicked out of the country, right? So um, it turns out that there were five times the amount of anti-government posts that were censored and taken out uh, during the last few months for this big thing that was happening for them over there. So we know he doesn't care. He does not care. This is the first time we really see evidence of something that is completely below the ethics line when it comes okay. to that we have proof of, right? Um, and one, you know, Zuckerberg isn't about free speech, even though that's how he keeps coming to try to make himself out to be this free speech zealot, right? Well, um, it, he takes that away as soon as it, you know, uh, changes his position in business. So we can see that from the Vietnam papers. That is hard evidence of just how much we can trust whatever Mark Zuckerberg decides to say.
Okay. You know, you had mentioned that there was a second whistleblower that's come out. And I guess my question is, given this, this quotation that Mark Zuckerberg gave during a third quarter investors meeting, um, how does that sit with uh, employees, all the thousands of employees they have? Do you think there's people just steaming going, I know the truth. And uh, besides Francine Haugen, I have a different set of papers or I have a different set of knowledge. And do you expect to see more people come out, more employees? I do. I, I absolutely do. Because they're not treated really well either. I mean, they might as well go get a job at Amazon for the amount of money they're making. Yet they're having to really compromise their ethics. They have to really look inside themselves and say, do I want to be part of somebody that is going to, you know, uh, curtail speech, anti-government speech, just so that they can stay there? Do I want to be part of a company that puts kids at risk? There's a, um, a Washington Post article that starts with the fact that they're subsidizing hate. And that is exactly right. You know, we know now from the papers that they make more money when people are fighting and going back and forth. And I have seen in my own experience with Facebook that they send me stuff just to see if I'll respond when they know full well that I'm not a Republican. I don't agree with that stuff, but they send it to me anyway from obscure friends just to see if I'll get a reaction. And okay. all right. I try to um, approach that. And that's what I say to everybody out there. If you use Facebook, when you see these kinds of things happening, don't just use Facebook blindly anymore. We know what they're about. So it's great to be able to contact your friends and all that stuff. But it's also important to watch what they're doing and don't just throw yourself over and trust completely. Okay. Well, I recall in the 60s, there was something called the good seal of broadcasting. Doesn't sound like uh, Facebook is following those guidelines anymore. All right. We're going we're gonna to switch direction here, Jay. And I want to ask you about a civil trial that's recently starting to take place. They're in jury selection. It's the Charlottesville Nine, if you will. It's the, those who have been identified as organizing the Char Charlottesville protests, which, of course, led to... Uh, a death and, and, and many people injured in, in that protest. And again, it was a protest to basically say, we don't like Jews, we don't like anybody. Um, this is a different strategy. This is not a criminal uh, trial, this is a civil trial. And what I've gathered up to this point is it's effective because it's bankrupting these organizations that, are, uh, that perpetrate hate. The, the leaders of these organizations are now paying thousands of dollars for uh, a defense attorney, and it's draining the bank accounts. Your thoughts about uh, this pending trial and the strategy of using civil lawsuits to undermine um, white supremacist groups? I like the idea of using civil lawsuits um, because, in effect, uh, the victims have greater control. With a prosecutor, the prosecutor may or may not do anything. It's his choice. And if the prosecutor is a Republican, he won't do anything. Um, but there's a, a bunch of other reactions that I have. Number one is three years. It's a long time. Our courts are too slow. Sorry. 
Um, that's one of the problems in the country is that courts are justice delayed is justice denied. Why did it take three years to get to a jury? That's terrible. Yeah. Um, the other interesting point about this trial is a number of the defendants who were named and sued um, have defaulted. And judgments have been entered already against them. I don't know if the dollar amount of those judgments is settled, but they have defaulted and, and they are liable for whatever ultimately it is. Um, <clears throat> what happened to the prosecution anyway? What happened to the criminal you know, uh, prosecutors? What happened? I mean, it, does it really have to go this way? And finally, <clears throat> finally this. Uh, the notion, and it's been in all the papers, you know, that you're going to bankrupt these organizations, they won't be able to function anymore. Really? In what world do, 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 do that conclusion live? Because they drop out of the one organization, sure, it's bankrupt, that's fine. And, and 24 hours later, they form another, even a nonprofit tax-exempt organization, where the mission statement is a lie. And bingo! you got a replacement organization that quick. So the bankruptcy of these organizations is, it's, it's not really effective, I'm sorry. Um, you have to go after the individuals. And I don't know in the Charlottesville trial whether they're doing that. They should be hitting on every single officer and every single director of these organizations and bankrupting them individually. The organizations- You know, that's, themselves isn't that what the FBI different. did? Isn't that what the FBI did in the 1930s and made these cockroaches scatter for, uh, for cover? And they didn't really rear their ugly head until, you know, some protests in the 1970s where there was people killed. But uh, did the United States government take a very aggressive stand against white supremacist groups, the KKK and, and others? Yeah, in the 30s. But in the 30s, there were an awful lot of them. And in the 30s, it's hard to say that the FBI was all that effective. And it's hard to say that the FBI and other prosecuting organizations are being effective now. Um, and maybe the civilian trials would be a solution because you don't have to rely on governmental institutions and prosecutors who could be politicized. You go against the individuals, though. That means a lot more than going against the organizations. Organizations can be recreated overnight. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jay. Winston, to you, almost on the same the same line here is, you know, Christopher Ray, the the FBI director, spent an hour or so in front of Congress, basically noting the the, the threat of domestic terrorism and certainly white supremacist groups is a huge element of that. Um, do you agree with Jay that really these organizations can fold and start up again and the United States government, specifically the FBI, is is helpless in how they try to tackle and um, prosecute those that are trying to create insurrection and, and um, racial crimes, hate crimes. Well, the government's not helpless at all. It's just, it may be lacking in some uh, willpower or uh, uh, I don't think manpower, but uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're tracking, you know, tens of thousands of people, I'm sure, uh, probably hundreds, maybe more. Uh, groups uh, domestically, uh, and I think uh, you know they're assisted by other groups like the uh, the ACLU or the Southern uh, uh, Poverty and Law Center, or uh, uh, vice versa, a Law and Poverty Center. They they track these these uh, these extremist groups, and I think a lot of the time they're they're preventing stuff that we don't even know 
uh, they're preventing. Uh, it's just happening. And that's, you know, it's a byproduct of, of our monitored society. And one way that they're communicating is on these on these groups like Facebook, you know, or Parler or something. So there's something to be said for having them be more organized and secretive um, for being in a 501c3 or whatever they are rather than just people that meet down at the river um, uh, like they used to in the old days. Are you going to get rid of this? I, I mean, my, my question is, is like, what happened to our nation? What are just common values where we have to rely on these, uh, these, these things? I, you know, and, and just back to, to Facebook for a second. This is a very confusing issue because I, you know, Facebook went out a week ago for a worldwide outage. And I, I missed it, but apparently a lot of people, didn't I? Didn't you hear? I said what? Facebook was down for twelve hours, and I and you would have thought the world had come to an end. But for many people, it did because their businesses rely on it, and they do their meetings on it, and they uh, they have their very good organizations on it, and that's the primary method of communication for a lot of these things. How we're going to break this up? How we navigate this very complex system? Not to mention the white supremacists and all of that. Um, these are really advanced questions, and I, I uh, hesitate. You know, we don't have hate speech laws in this country. We have uh, uh, free speech laws. In fact, it's enshrined in our Constitution. People can say essentially whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. The only thing that stops them is these corporate regulations uh, that say, hey, you're, you're, you're having hate speech here. We're banning you for this. Um, I know I posted some things on Facebook where I got uh, put in little Facebook jail. And when I said, hey, this is not it's not anything. It's not it's not hate speech. It's not political speech. It was just for an organization that automatically gets flagged for everything they put up. What about if, uh, you know, someone decides that uh, Think Tech is, uh, you know, had a, a, a show on that they didn't agree with. And then suddenly it gets like, well, that would be this one. It would be this one, so, but they ban all think tech, and then they ban, and then they'd say, Google, you too, you've got to disappear um, the words think tech from your search algorithms and, uh, you know, Tim's name and, and all of that. And so we can't, we can't be found anymore. That's what Cynthia was talking about in Vietnam. They do it in China. They do it in Russia. Um, you know, they've just blanked out entire uh, types of groups. And that's the real danger that we run when we're trying to say the government needs to step in here and say, oh, this is hate speech or this group is a hate group. I mean, the NRA might be declared it one day and the, um, you know, the, the think tech show on what's next America might be declared the next day. And that's not the, the society that we want. So we've got to navigate very carefully here um, how we go about this. I'm sure Jay, okay. some opining yeah. on that. But. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Winston, very much. We're almost out of time. I did want to get to this, and Cynthia, you're going to have uh, the last probably word on this. You know, the FDA um, has just, one of their committees has okayed a, a vaccine for five-year-old to 11-year-olds. Uh, do you think parents are on board with that? Some are and some aren't, you know, um, even people that aren't anti-vax are nervous and afraid. Um, it's all seems so new, you know, to people. Um, they were nervous and afraid to even get it for themselves. So, you know, of course, they're going to be nervous and afraid about for their kids. And it's just going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of um, PR 
Um, it's going to talk, you know, a lot of positive results. And I think it's important for people to, uh, to remember that, you know, 800 kids have died since the beginning of this. Um, that's a lot of kids. And we say that it doesn't affect the kids, but it does. And um, I wish I could remember the number, uh, but it was, I can't remember the exact number, but I know it's five times the amount of kids were hospitalized through this pandemic from COVID than are normally hospitalized in a year from just regular flu and other things. So five times more, we know that they are affected. And, you know, we heard all that talk in the beginning from the last administration or, oh, kids aren't affected. It doesn't hurt kids. Well, you know what it does? In my mind, one kid is too many. So, you know, what can we do to stop that? And I think that's where our scientists' minds are, is that one kid is too many. What can we do to stop it? And yeah. I think that's really important. And um, and I, I just need to say one thing about where we were before in regards to this whole trial for the, the nine that um, on the nine that were injured in Charlottesville. And I think something that they're trying to do is establish the difference and get it in, you know, in court. So that's legal jargon even separates that free speech from, from planned, encouraged violence. Right. And, and, it needs to go through court to be able to get that. And it's well, set precedent that we can use for January 6th um, people yeah. also. And it's I'm pretty sure the Supreme Court back in the 1960s came up with many cases that did limit um, free speech from destructive speech. And right. I'm pretty sure those, are, those cases are still, still on the books. They are, and hopefully they will come into play during this trial, because it really does set a precedent for some of the January 6 cases going forward. All righty. Well, I want to go around the horn. We're out of time, but I want to go around the horn and get everyone's last thoughts and opinions about either what's transpired this week or what's coming up here in the next few days or in the next week. Jay, to you. Didn't start right now, but it, but it is accelerating right now. And that is the possibility that our that our First Amendment will degrade is degrading, <clears throat> and uh, it's hard to say how it's going to come out. But if you, you regulate the algorithm, if you regulate Facebook, uh, if you try to regulate speech in general, it will be regulated, and the First Amendment will be undermined. And and um, I can't say exactly how, but I just feel that we're on we're on a. a um, uh, a sea change there. And the change is little by little, free speech is going away. So get used to it. Get used to it in Facebook, get used to it in, in all manner of things. And before you know it, we'll be in 1984, where it's, it's not so much uh, that you will feel a lack of freedom to speak, but that other people will have freedom to take draconian steps against you for what you have said. And fear will, will be the central point there. People will be afraid of exercising, expressing their views. And I think that's already happening in some ways. How would you like to be a member of that jury in Charlottesville? 
Um, how would you like to get some death threats if you're a, uh, a voting official? Um, mm -hmm. It's not so easy to, to speak out anymore, and it's going to be less easy going forward, um, no matter what Amy Klobuchar does. And in fact, maybe it's part of what she does. Well, I agree with you, Jay. Ask anyone in Congress that dare speaks out about the dear Donald Trump. So I agree. Um, Winston, your last thoughts? Uh, Jay just left me demoralized, but I think he's true, you know, <laughs> what he's saying. And it was, it's what I was getting at, too, is when we get on the slippery slope, of course, you can't incite people to violence. Those that, you can't yell, you know, fire in a crowded theater. That's true. But when we start going down the slope of, um, of, of this speech is okay and that speech isn't and where that line is drawn when it may be unpopular speech um uh, you know of course these many people are absolutely just reprehensible uh in their speech and we know that and we understand that and ideally the sun shining on them has the, the purifying factor it puts them out there and they go into the the pillory the the, the hall of public shame unfortunately our hall of public shame is not the same as it used to be and people have a different set of values that are somehow we just diverged facebook was part of that it exacerbates it. It'll be an interesting thing to see where all of that goes and how they break it up and how it comes into pieces. Because unless we all stop using it and go back to the stone age um, uh, of, of communications, um, it's going to be around. So Alrighty. a lot of very complex issues. Ones that we tackle here on Think Tech, which is a free speech zone. Uh, we can say what we want, and that is a precious thing of not only for um, you know our viewers, but for our nation and uh, for us uh, as individuals. Well said, Cynthia. Your your last thoughts? I agree with Winston. That was very well said. I I agree. So I think it the shark. I have a quote, and but I want to say something real quick about that. I think that one of the things that this Charlottesville trial can show is that they're, they're looking to show that the violence was planned and encouraged, that weapons were used. They dissect the coded language and the cloaked language, which is the most important thing, I think, here. They hide their plans under just joking, right? And there was a precedent that's already been set in regards to that uh, for Taylor Dumpson. Uh, and the landmark case, Seb, she won. They won $725,000 against the neo-Nazi Andrew Anglin um, because of the warm welcome things that were put out to, um, it, they never said, you know, go out and harass this lady. He said, go give her a warm welcome when everybody yeah. knew what they meant. And the same sarcasm, sarcasm does, Donald Trump did a lot of that during his presidency. Um, to your quote, please. Uh, we've out of time. I was It is from Robert Kennedy, and it's every time we turn our heads the other way when we see the law flouted, when we tolerate what we know to be wrong, when we close our eyes and ears to the corrupt because we are too busy or too frightened, when we fail to speak up and speak out, we strike a blow against freedom, decency, and justice. Robert Kennedy. All right. That's a great way to end the show. And that's a great quote. And it's true, full true. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who joined us today. Jay Fidel, Winston Welch, and you, Cynthia Lee Sinclair. Thanks for joining us on What Now America. Please join us next Wednesday at 11 o'clock. 
I'm Tim Apatel, your host, and we'll see you then. Aloha. Aloha.